Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Um, two weeks ago, I did something when we did communion and just taught on communion the whole service. And our time ran out as usual. So I'm just going to be continuing today what I started two weeks ago. Uh, if you were not here two weeks ago, and this doesn't quite make sense, as Pastor Doug said, this is on YouTube, so you can go back and listen to two weeks ago's message, and then today might make a bit more sense to you. So we'll just kick off there. Can we please have uh, what we used as our main verse two weeks ago, and that is Galatians chapter 3. We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Galatians. So chapter 3, verse 29, that's what we spoke about. And everything basically that was said this morning, Mike came and had a word, adoption, we had Pastor Doug give a word, we had Adrian give a word, everything is basically, it's encompassed in today's message, it's, it's, it's one and the same thing, so it's, it's no different, it was just said in a different way, but it's pointing to the very, very same thing. So this is a verse we looked at, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So we spend a lot of time in that. Um, we looked at what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to be Abraham's seed? And what does it mean to be an heir? What are you an heir to? What has been given or promised to you? What is your inheritance according to this verse? And then what is a promise that was made to Abraham? So this verse is it's power-packed. There's so much in this verse, and sometimes I believe we just read over it and don't really delve into the verse to see how much there is in it for us. So that's where we're going to start today. And I spoke just about there. It says about the promise and in Genesis. We won't read, but if you go to Genesis 15, Abraham comes to God and he says, you've made all these amazing promises. How will I know that this is going to happen? So God says, bring these animals. Abraham brings the animals, but he chops them in two. This is covenant relationship. He understands that when he says to God, you're promising all these things to me, but how will I know? You don't want just people to speak to speak. You want to know that what they say is true. So God says, you want to know, okay, let's do this. Bring these animals. Covenant. I will cut covenant with you. Covenant cannot be broken, okay? If you make a covenant, you have to keep it. So he says, I will make a covenant with you. Bring these animals. So Abram cuts them up so that they can do a covenant. Now, God in his goodness, when he gets to this covenant, because man, many, many times, I don't know if you have noticed, does not keep his word. It's sometimes, not you, but other people, not you. I'm not talking to you here. I'm talking about others. They will promise, they will say something, but don't always keep their word. So God has to intervene in the circumstance, in this situation, to make sure that this covenant he's about to make, will not be broken. Because this is the Abrahamic covenant that we are reading about. In this is the book of Galatians. But this was made in Genesis. So this covenant is very important. So God steps in and God in his goodness when he makes this covenant. And another thing, a covenant has to be made between at least two people. Right? 
no good. You make a covenant with yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to. It's two people. I step into covenant with you. But now God knows that man has an issue keeping his word. So when God gets involved in this covenant, Abram is sleeping because of the goodness of God. So God does not wake him up. God says, okay, I'm going to cut covenant, but in order for this covenant never ever to be broken, I'm going to cut covenant with myself because I am God, I cannot lie, and what I say will come to pass. So, God the Father makes covenant with God the Son because it talks about the C, capital S, and they step into a covenant. So this covenant cannot be broken. This is the beauty about this covenant that we stand in. It's unbreakable. Literally, it cannot be broken because it's between God and God. And now that's why that verse says, if you are in Christ, if you have become reborn, you are in Christ. If you have given your life away and received his life, your life of sin and death, and received his life of righteousness, and you have stepped into him, this whole thing, this whole covenant belongs to you today. So that's just a recap of two weeks ago. So we're going to look at this covenant and go a little bit further. Can we have Galatians 3, please, verse 19 and 20? Because we have a problem now. Because in this covenant, God says to Abram, he says, I'll give you land. I will bless you and you will have heirs. You will have an inheritance. He promises him all these things, but he's not just giving that promise to Abram. That promise is to you and I. Land, inheritance, righteousness, all of this. You will be blessed by God. So now we have a problem because we read on further because what happens if we break, if we break this covenant? God says, I'm making covenant with me so that you can't break this covenant. So now later comes the law and it says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come. Who's the seed? Jesus, capital S. Okay, so the law was given. Why was the law given? Because of transgression. Because of people doing wrong. Continuously doing wrong, wrong, wrong. There had to be a law to say, okay, you can't just carry on doing this, doing this, doing this. There has to be a law so that you know this is wrong. Because keep on doing this, doing this, doing this brings forth death. God is against death. That's why God is against sin. Not to take away your fun, but the wages of sin is death. That is why he's against sin. So should you continue in sin and just doing things which are wrong and wrong and wrong, you open the door to the enemy to steal, kill, destroy, bring death. That's why God said, no, this has to stop. You have to understand, should you keep on doing this over and over and walk in this, death is going to be the result. So now the law comes into play. The law was not God's best. The law was not God's first choice. The law 
was brought, it was added because of transgression, because of sin. Until, do you realize what you and I have being born on the backside of the cross? Do we realize the covenant of grace we have that we are born after Jesus was raised from the dead so that we can now be righteous in him? So the law comes until the seed to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now we spoke last week about a mediator. It's a middle man. You sell a house, you have a buyer, you have the seller. They talk to the guy in the middle. He represents both. He will bring what the buyer says he wants to sell the house for and what the guy is going to pay. And they talk to each other through this middle man. Right, so that's the mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one. If there's a covenant made, a mediator is between two parties. He's not just standing in front of one. A mediator needs two parties to stand in the middle for. Who do you represent? I represent this side. And at the very same time, I represent this side. I'm in the middle. So now, now a mediator does not mediate for one only. But God is one. We didn't get that. I can see in the eyes. You say something. Yeah, okay. God is one. Big deal. Let's move on. What's he talking about? This is, yeah, okay. God is one. In this covenant, in a covenant, how many parties do we need? Two. In this covenant, who are the two parties? God the Father with God the Son. So we have one party. We have God, and we have God. This doesn't work. This covenant can't work. But now we have God the Father making promise to the seed, Jesus. And now later in the Bible, in Timothy, it says that the mediator between heaven, God the Father, and you and I is this mediator, Christ, the man, Jesus Christ. So get this, your Savior, the one who hung on the cross for your mistakes, is the one that speaks to the Father, the only judge of human spirits on your behalf. You see, the enemy is not the judge. And we listen to that voice and we take that and we hear his judgment because he has a job. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's good at what he does. He accuses and accuses and accuses and accuses. And many people keep on listening to the accuser Instead of going to the mediator. Who's the mediator? Jesus, who hung on the cross, who paid for it all, goes to the Father on your behalf. 
Man, this covenant is phenomenal. And then Jesus hears from the Father, and he will come down to you, and he will say, but this is what the Father says. Because you see, where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of the Father. What did Brett say today about us? Where are we? In Christ. Where are we seated? In Christ, at the right hand of the Father. It's a good place to be seated. There's no better seat than that. So now, should you think that the enemy should bring something against you, and God the Father sitting next to Jesus, he sees the hands. Do you know what he sees in the hands? A huge hole. It's still there. It's healed, but it's there. Do you know what he sees on the back? Stripes. It's healed. There's no more blood pouring from it. It's healed, but it's there. And what do you think God would say through the mediator to the ones who he's talking to when he looks at the hands and the holes in the feet and the stripes? It's paid for. It's done. This is what caused this Abrahamic covenant to be yours today. Now, I've I got to go here. I, I personally find this, I will use the word ridiculous to put it plain and calm. Can I, it, I didn't give this to you, but can you please go to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I have to do this. Pastor Manny, maybe three, four weeks ago when he spoke, he also had to say this. For some or other reason, when I speak about grace, some people think I'm saying it's okay to sin. I'm not saying that. Do not walk out here thinking I said something that I did not say. I'm not soft on sin. Jesus did not go soft on sin. I'm not saying go out and sin because you're under a new covenant. That's not what I'm saying. If I say something and you perceive something different, it's on you. Okay. Romans 6 verse 1. Because when you hear this, it's Can this really be? Can something be so good? Can something this good really be true? Can something so amazing be for an ex-sinner like me? How can this be that when I do wrong, I just get more grace? I just get more goodness. The forgiveness is there. How is this possible? This is so good. Shall I just then continue in sin because I get more grace? God forbid. Paul preached this gospel, and obviously people came to him and said, Man, if this gospel, if it's just grace, then why don't we just continue in sin because... Like you're missing the whole point. You're not hearing my heart in what I am saying. So I just have to bring that up here. I'm not saying go out and do what you want. Because when you are in this new covenant and you don't have the law, but you have his law written on your heart, when you go against that love letter on your heart, It should hurt more on the inside, way, way more than a law that tells you thou shall, thou shall not. And now when you get into the secret place and you realize that you're stepping out of line and you do something that a child should not be doing, now it really gets to you. 
someone who cares and someone whom I love and hurt affects me way, way more than a dictator would come and say to me, you do that again, I'll show you. Because my nature was, bring it on, I don't care. But now that my heart is changed and I don't have a dictator anymore, I have the lover of my soul telling me, leading and guiding me, should I now disobey? My goodness, that is, oh, how could I, how could I possibly even do that? We're not soft on sin. We are strong on grace and love and power. Right. When you wake up in the morning, your hair's all over, you've got sleep in your eye, you've got drool down here. Where do you go? What do you use to see all your mistakes? The mirror. Right. Catch this. You go to the mirror to see what is wrong with you. Do you use the very same mirror to fix what is wrong with you? I hear people saying yes. Let me, let me rephrase the question. When your hair's all over, you got drool, you got sleep, and you go to the mirror and you see my hair is out of place, the mirror shows you your hair is out of place. Do you use the mirror to fix your hair? The mirror is like the law. It can show you where you are wrong, but you cannot use that very same thing to fix what is wrong with you. You need something greater than the law to fix what is wrong with you. The mirror just shows you your hair is out of place. The mirror just shows you you've got sleep in your eye. You don't take the mirror to fix that. It just reveals something in you. You turn to something else after you've seen that to fix yourself. This covenant of grace is what you use as you write on your heart to tell you this is what's wrong. This is how you're living. This is what I want you to do. And now, because of that power and the love revealing that to you, you step into that place of grace because you can't fix yourself under the law. It doesn't matter how hard you try. And the harder you try, the harder you're going to fail till you get to the point and say, I can't do this. This is useless. And it is because the law was meant to do that. But under grace, because he keeps on speaking and he keeps on working and he reveals that you are in Christ. Should you sin, he's never going to take you out of Christ. Adoption. Where would he put you 
If you're seated in Christ in heavenly places and you mess up, what's he going to do if he takes you out of Christ? Where is he going to put you? And then when you do good again, put you back in Christ. How's he? He's, he, he doesn't have this in-out, in-out mentality that Pastor Doug said, today I did well, I can get 80% of God's blessing. Oh, yesterday I didn't do so well. well let me, I'll be happy with 20 You're a child. What happens when you get adopted into the family? You know what? The name that you were given previously goes away. You get a new name. You are named. Your surname is now the name of the family that you adopted in. Your name changes. The whole family lineage changes now. If they have a will and inheritance for their kids, you know what? You added on there as a child. You're not seen as, well, you were there now. We just have to put up with you in here. No, you're one of us. You have our name. At university, I heard of a story about, this is so funny because some people adopted a, a Vietnamese boy. And they had two boys of their own. And they were all four, five, six young. And they adopted a Vietnamese boy who was the same age. And this Vietnamese boy lived in their house. And in the morning, this little Vietnamese boy would wake up so early. And he would make his bed and he would put his clothes away. And when the mom and dad woke up, everything was neat and tidy, spick and span, military style. And the other two boys didn't make their bed. They could care less. They just ran around the house. They played. Their toys are all over. And the mom and dad couldn't understand. And... Asking and finding out later, they found out that this little Vietnamese boy was scared that should he not walk the line and make his bed and be good and do everything exactly right, these parents are going to be disappointed and they're going to take him back to Vietnam. And they had to sit down with him and they had to explain to him because he had the wrong mindset. And they told him, you're a son. You're a child. Just like those two don't make their beds, you like that. In any case, it wasn't a year later, and he wasn't making the bed either or picking up toys. But <laughs> he understood what it meant to be part of the family. And the fear of being thrown out was gone. Because he now had a mommy and a daddy that would never leave him nor forsake him because they loved him like that. Go to Galatians chapter 4, please. Chapter 21 to 31. Paul talking, therefore, tell me you who desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abram had two sons, the one by the bondwoman, the other by the free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman according to promise. So we open the scripture with promise, okay? Then you are heirs according to the promise. So there was a child born according to promise, which things are symbolic. There is so much in here. We can do a whole summer teaching on these two laws, these two covenants, this And there's just not time, but there's so much symbolism in here. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. 
and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now. So the real Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, Israel, real people walking there in bondage. That's what that law refers to, okay? And is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above, where we all come from, is free, which is the mother of us all. People talk about mother nature. Mother's not nature. Mother's not your mother. Nature, it's not. You come from, we were brought, that Greek word, from the inside of God, adopted. From heaven, from there. That's what this other covenant refers to. From the free Jerusalem in heaven where you came from. That is our mother. We come from God. That's where we come from. So these two covenants represent that. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth. That is a quote from Isaiah 54. Okay? Next, please. So these are the children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Today we are children of promise. And the flesh, the old nature, the old man still persecutes all the time the children of promise. Because the flesh comes and says, you should have done better. How do you? You shouldn't. And the flesh persecutes. The flesh doesn't keep quiet. The flesh goes on and on and on. So the flesh, under the law, persecutes the children of promise under grace and the Spirit. This is what it symbolizes. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but we are free. You are free from law. You are free from bondage. You are free from that Mount Sinai covenant that the mediator was Moses. God spoke to Moses to go and speak to the people. We have Jesus as our mediator. So we don't need to go to Moses and the law. What is God saying? What can we do? What can't we do? We go to our mediator, Jesus, and he speaks on behalf of the Father to us. So now, just because of this, there is so much here. People, for time, we'll do one or two things. So it's the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. Old Covenant law, New Covenant grace. Old Covenant Hagar, the slave. New Covenant, Sarah, the free woman, who we are children of. Ishmael, conceived after the flesh. God's not doing what he should. This is taking too long. I'll take care of this. Bam, flesh, Ishmael. We, on the other hand, Isaac, born through promise. Earthly Jerusalem in bondage, heavenly Jerusalem free. So now, yeah, just a couple of things. Let's do one. Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac was born through God's power. Isaac, the free, was born through God's power. You and I, our inheritance in this salvation, being reborn, we are born again through God's power. That's this covenant. If the Holy Spirit, which raised Christ from the dead, 
dwells in your mortal bodies, Holy Spirit went into hell, raised Jesus from the dead. He did exactly the same with you. Now you are a child of promise, free like Isaac, because you were born by the power of God. Okay? That's Isaac. Ishmael is born according to the flesh. And the whole time, the law, you doing things in your own strength, you doing things, I think this is what should happen. Even though God said that, it's taking too long, it's not working the way I thought, let me fix this problem. Flesh. You have an Ishmael. That's the law. We are not children of Ishmael. We are not children of the flesh. We, in this new birth, are children of promise. We are free. We come from grace. Sarah is a picture of grace. Lots of pictures here between Isaac and Hagar and all of this and Ishmael. And another one, if we look at the difference between Sarah. Sarah was wife number. The Egyptian maid, servant, was wife number. Two. The law, the flesh was not God's best. If the law was God's best, what do you think he would have said to Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned? Okay, now you don't go to this part of the garden, not allowed to touch it, got to do this, got to do it, not allowed. He didn't bring law. He said to them, I'm going to cover you because I don't want your nakedness to be seen by anyone. If the law was going to stop them from doing wrong, he would have brought the law there. If the law was powerful enough to make you see what is wrong and fix it, he could have fixed Adam and Eve right there. But he didn't. What did he go to? He went to grace. And that's the same between these two. It's law versus grace. God's people, when they came out of Egypt, did did, did God bring them out because they obeyed the law? They were so good, or did he do it by his grace? Grace. So God always leans on grace more than law. Why was the law brought forth? Because of sin, because of transgression. First wife, Sarah. Second wife, Hagar. What happened to Hagar? Cast out to be no more in the house. And her son. Because now you can go deeper. What happened when the son of promise. Isaac was three years old. The Bible says he was weaned. That was their culture. That's what they did. Before Isaac was born, there was no problem with Ishmael being in the house. Everything's okay. But now when the son of promise comes, now when freedom comes, now there's fighting. Now there's a problem in the house because you have the law and you have freedom by grace. Now there's, there's bickering in the house. Now somebody has to leave. That's what the flesh does. That's what law does. As soon as you step into this new life and you're free and you're now in Christ, what does the flesh do? Ah, ah, not good enough. Why you? You should have done better. You should have known. Someone has to leave. Therefore, the scripture says, cast out that one. Let it not be in your house anymore because you are free. Isaac means laughter. When you and I get saved, there's laughter. 
when you and I get saved, the Bible says that the angels have a party in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. That's this covenant. There's laughter. Flesh is not happy. I don't know if you found that out. Flesh doesn't like it when you say, okay, now I'm not in control anymore. I give the reins over to him. He is now my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to do what he says. And the flesh says, don't do that. Come on, man. Look at all the fun you're going to be missing. You can't do this anymore. You can't do that. You should. You should. Cast the flesh out. And now when you step into the salvation moment, now there's joy. Because now you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, the grace of God to do what you couldn't do by yourself before this moment. That's a joyous moment. I promise you now I have not done so many things that I used to do by one thing alone, the grace of God. I'll end with this. There is, I've got seven more pages here to go. Part three, yeah. In Taiwan, when I was DJing, I'd be in nightclubs. Now I'm, I'm, I'm married to Tiffany. And it happened on occasion. I mean, this is late in the night. It's a nightclub. Things are happening. That a woman would come to me because a lot of the clubs are in the basement of hotels. And a woman would come and she would say, okay, you and me, I've got a room. Let's go right now. Pretty lady. Everything that I want in a woman, she has. Beautiful. My house is only about 10 minutes away from the club. I do not say to that lady, okay, listen here, just sit here and wait for me for a while. I'll be back. Hold on. I'm coming right now. Don't go anywhere. And I go to my house as fast as I can. And next to my bed in a drawer is my marriage certificate. And I pull out the marriage certificate and I go back to the club and I take the marriage certificate and I go to this lady and I say, man, I would like to be with you. I am burning on the inside to be with you. You are everything that I desire. But look at the certificate. I can't. I'm sorry because I have this. This says... I can't be with you. But believe me, I do want to. (laughs) But because of this, I can't. I never, never did that. Never. Never crossed my mind. When that happened, I could go to that lady, look her in the eyes, and say, you know what? My wife is at home and she's waiting for me. How can I do this? And sin against my God and my wife. I don't need when the enemy comes and he says, look what you're missing. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Go and say, well, the Bible says, the word says, yeah, I'm not allowed. Look here, Mr. Devil. Oh, I really, really want to. But I can't because the word says, no, I don't need this anymore. I can just stand and say from the bottom of my heart, you know what? I don't need a law anymore. I don't need words written on paper anymore because my heart contains a love letter. And should I go against that love letter, you have no idea what it does on the inside of me. Therefore, as amazing as this invitation is, I 
gratefully and most certainly say, I am not interested. Not because of a law written on paper, but because of a law written on my heart and my love for the one who writes it. And if we want to tell people, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do this, you know that doesn't work. How many times have we said this? Yeah, I'm going to do this, this and this, and then you don't. But this gives you power to be able to do what you couldn't do by yourself. And it hurts way, way more when you go against this than just going against words on a piece of paper. We are free. Free to love. Free to say no, not because of a law, but because of love. And when we get to that point where something should come our way and there's a decision to make and it's in the blink of an eye, I can say no to that because it's against him and his love. Now I'm powerful. Now I am truly walking with power. Because before I had to look for excuses, I had to find ways to get around it. How fast can I go and still not get a ticket? How I don't want to do that anymore. What can I get away with and still be okay? How much can I sin and still be in the presence of God? Why would you even think that way? Because of your heart of your mind that has not cast out the bondwoman and the flesh. Because that's flesh thinking. That's how much bad can I do and still be okay? When on this side, it's, well, how much can I just be more? How much can I just do more with you and by you and through you? And this is what brings joy. This is everlasting. This is peace that surpasses understanding. Because believe me, there was a day when I looked at that and I thought, man, I'll I'll go that way. And I heard people talking about this side, but I didn't understand. And it just revealed something in my heart. That's all. It just showed me, Rifle, there's something in here that is not right. And when I got with him in the quiet place and I allowed him to change and circumcise my heart and keep on writing those letters, something changed here. And now I look and I think to myself, how could I have even thought that way? And now I'm powerful so I can live here. It's not wishful thinking. It's a powerful life that I now live by his grace. That's available to everyone. That's the oneness. That's the being in Christ. That's being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's being the one that threw out the bondwoman and the slave because now I'm free. And if you need rules to control your freedom, something is wrong. 
But if someone can give you freedom and say, enjoy it, because they know that you're not going to take advantage of the freedom, wow, much more freedom is allowed. And God has given us freedom, the keys to the kingdom, because it's his pleasure to do it through Jesus Christ. He has made my life powerful. He has changed my thinking. Wants to do exactly the same for you. If you are here today, I'm going to just ask you to come to the front. And you realize through this little talk, there's too much law in your life. There's too much you. There's too much instead of just, man, I I want to live on this side. I'm thinking this way, but I need to change my thinking. I need to get to this side, and I need to stay here. Come to the front. Let's sort that out. If, if you are th- in your mind somewhere, there's still a little part of you that, that, that is on this side, come to the front. God wants to deal with you right now. Forget about the person next to you. It's, it's not for them. This is just for you. If you really want freedom, come to the front. This is now where you take something greater than the mirror to fix whatever is wrong with you. Because you know that mirror is not going to fix it. And this is a place to just, as the word says, cast out the bondwoman, cast out the flesh, and live in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. So, Father, we just come today as individuals. We come today as a corporate body. And we just thank you, Jesus, our mediator. (laughs) a mediator of a new and better covenant, a covenant in which we are always in Christ, a covenant in which you never leave us nor forsake us. We come right now and we say, Lord, that we will let go of the flesh. We will let go of wrong thinking as you renew our minds, as we allow our minds to be renewed by you, to live in the freedom and the power that you have made available to us. So that we will never use our freedom as an excuse to get away with stuff. But we will use our freedom to be powerful in what you have called us to do. And therefore, even today, Lord, Galatians 5 verse 1 goes on and it says, Therefore, stand fast in the freedom for which Christ has made you free. In other words... The old covenant, the law, the flesh is gone. And now you need to stand strong. Take your place of freedom in this covenant. And do not depart from that. So we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Freedom is so amazing, Lord. And we thank you that you have set us free. We thank you for the price paid so that we can be free, we can walk free. And your word says in Romans 5, it says that, wow, now we have peace with God. That's amazing. Peace with the maker of the universe. Peace with almighty Jehovah, because you are in him. So we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this moment. 
we give you all the glory and all the honor and we receive our freedom in Christ and we receive the power that goes with that. I want you to decree, I am powerful because of His freedom in me. Praise Jesus. That's amazing. Praise God. We're going to end you. If you want to come to the front, we have prayer ministers that will pray with you. Walk in freedom and power which Christ has made available to each and every one of you. And cast the flesh and the bondwoman out. They don't belong to you in Jesus' name. Glory to God. See you all next week.